Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting radiolemon.com. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Hello, it's John Hindorf and Shea Adam. Uh, we're coming up to a quarter past 11. The pit lane is filled with uh, multi-coloured racing cars. Uh, it's, I suppose if you squint a little bit, it just looks like somebody's laid a line of M&Ms across in front of me. Uh, and very shortly, they'll put them all into a soup ball and start swizzling them around and mixing them up. Shea Adam is down. Uh, down there, and it's a very pleasant, uh, just on about 18, 19 degrees uh, Celsius. That is, what, uh, 66 Fahrenheit, about 10 degrees Fahrenheit um, hotter than that on the track. A little bit of the overcast, as I mentioned, but uh, I, I now see what you've been talking about here with these 20-foot pit boxes. It is tight, <laughs> and one or two people have already got their cars at jaunty angles with the nose out into the pit lane. Yeah, it's very tight down here. And good morning, John. Um, it is 20-foot pit boxes because we have 61 cars entered this weekend and only one car has elected to go wait in the go lane, if you will. That is the uh, lane to which they get to go out before any other car when the green flag comes out. That's the 38 Performance Tech LMP3 car. Every other car is in their box. Well, give or take, except we're missing a couple. The MDK <laughs> Motorsports Porsche, not out here in its box yet neither is the mrs gt lmp3 machine that would be the 43 but it basically looks like everyone further back is out here on the pit lane as well and why did you have to say m&ms and make me hungry that was just mean uh sorry about that uh three checkered flags taken by the number 43 car in the last session yesterday that's the uh, leisure uh, in lmp3 sebastian alvarez uh, brought the car on the pit lane that car will not be allowed to go out until 10 minutes of this session has elapsed. Hello. Oh, what? I, you know, this is just building really nicely. It's been super to see these new cars uh, with the new sounds and sights of IMSA for 2023. 107.9 around the circuit, RS2 around the world. If you're here at the track and people are saying to you, what are you doing this weekend? You're at Daytona. What are you at Daytona for? It's, it's like a test session. Well, tell them that they can listen to what you're hearing on RS2 here in the States and further afield. And on Sunday, they'll be able to watch as well because we've got live and uninterrupted coverage on IMSA.TV as well as uh, IMSA Radio on the video tab. And whether you're here in the States or further afield, the qualifying for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship events throughout this year, as it has been in the past, will be available to everybody. Now, when we get to the race next weekend, of course, if you're here in the States, it's NBC uh, and Peacock with a team of all talents uh, yet to have the 17 pages of talent for that. Talked to Calvin Fish this morning. But let me tell you, they are bringing an all-star team for those of you in the U.S for next weekend's big race. Uh, we'll be adding to our normal IMSA radio team as well. We'll give you more details of that in just a few moments. But let's pick up some of the atmosphere from down in the pit lane. Shea Adam is there and talking to Mark Rame. 
Mark has arguably one of the most exciting driver lineups of this year, coming in with Porsche, Jan Magnussen. I spoke with him yesterday, and he was so amped up to be a part of this program. How did you manage to get Trenton Estep? Mark, uh, you've got yourself, you've got Jan Magnussen, and you got Jason Hart back with you again, a guy you drove with at Le Mans. Well, I, I'm very fortunate. I call I call it kind of three pros and a schmo. I'm the schmo. Uh, but no, I mean, it's been great getting to know Jan and, and Kevin as well. And and then Jason and I raced Le Mans last year and, and did well. And, and Trenton is a, is a superstar. So I'm very, very fortunate. It's a great team. Will Bamber's done a great job putting everything together. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you've got him and Sarah behind the scenes running a lot of stuff. And you've got your program involved in so many different aspects of racing. What is it about you that's just a total racing addict? Well, I kind of, this is my, what's kind of fun, this is my 10th Daytona in a row. So I started in 2014, so my 10th one's kind of fun to be it with my own team. Uh, and what's been interesting is what we really want to do is build something kind of special, a, a ladder system within our program. So we have a woman's team in GR86 in the new Toyota program. Uh, then we go to uh, Porsche Sprint Challenge. Then we go to um, uh, Carrera Cup and now GTD as well as SRO. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot going on. It's about 13, 14 cars this year. So it's kind of crazy. And you'll be at most of those races, I'm expecting? Yeah. I, you know, I'm try, I, I want to sit up there like the captain, like Roger Penske, and just kind of oversee everything and just, you know, no, one day. But, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's a ton of fun. You've got such great relationships with so many drivers in this field in general. You've driven with a lot of greats in the past, too. Does that make it even more fun for you when you come to this race and it becomes a family reunion? It, it really is. I mean, I was just walking down the paddock, and it's one person after another. It's just so much fun to see these people, and it's such a tight new group of people. I had dinner last night with John Doonan, and we were just talking about it's like a family reunion every January. It's just fabulous. Well, welcome back, and we look forward to seeing what you guys can do with MDK Motorsports. Good luck this week. Great. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you up through the year. All right. Mark Kwame with Sheer Adam down there on the pit lane. At, RS, uh, at uh, IMSA Radio, excuse me, uh, for the Twitter this weekend. Whether you're here at the track or further afield. Early issue again for the number six Porsche Team Penske car. Uh, running the inside berm on turn one and two, dropping that inside pair of wheels. Well, that's not going to do the left hand front wheel bearing any good, which they had a problem with yesterday. Thanks to John DeGeese from Sports Car 365 for keeping me up to date with that. And by the way, if you want the definition of people working hard, uh, John has a small team at the track. Um, the other morning by about I think it was about 10 o'clock when I was speaking to him I think this was on uh, Thursday he'd already posted eight stories um, Sports Car 365 independent authority on news from all around the sports car world including here at IMSA so who's behind the wheel of that number six at the moment Nick Tandy man from Bedfordshire in the middle of England very handy darts player. Do not be tempted to play Nick Tandy in darts for money. Him and uh, Harry Tinknell are the masters of the Oki and the Arras. And both of them on track at the moment as uh, Harry is behind the wheel of the number 80 Porsche GT3R. And a problem on the tri-oval as we go three wide, double three wide into the 
International Horseshoe, just trying to pick up which car was going slow. It was the 19 that was going very slowly on the tri-oval right underneath my feet. The Iron Lynx Lamborghini, Rafael Jean-Maria, Frank Pereira, Claudio Schiavone and Rolf Inaishin teamed up in uh, that car, that, uh, that team that Deborah Mayer has put together transferring her long-time Ferrari allegiance to Lamborghini. Let's try and see if we can get Deborah to come and talk to us, also head of the Women in Motorsport FIA Commission, of course, as well. So, getting up to speed, let's see if the Lamborghini has uh, got back up to speed. Here comes the Ferrari, the 023. Now, that at the moment is on a Frio Triazi, and it is the Triazi entered car. Shea, you know quite a lot about uh, that team and that driver because you've been watching him in a Ferrari Challenge. Yeah, and Onofrio's history goes back to Ferrari Challenge. He was a 458 champion many years ago, but he's been racing a Ferrari in uh, SRO the last couple of years, becoming champion of it last year alongside Charlie Scardino, with whom he shares this car this weekend. They are brothers-in-law, and Onofrio works for the Triarci Competizione, which is based in Orlando, Florida. Goodness, people are being quite dramatic through the trial right now, John. Sorry, I just saw an LMP3 uh, and then an LMP2 car subsequently pass two GT cars on the bottom, hugging the apron, uh, going through the trial Guys, it's still just a test session. But yes, the Triarci Competizione team has existed in Ferrari Challenge for many, many years, and now making the step up with his brand new 296 GT three Ferrari. It's a beautiful car up close. The the rear of it in particular really stands out. But Anofrio and Charlie Scardina being joined by Andrea Bertolini and Alessio Rivera, two drivers who know Ferrari very, very well. As the 19 comes by again, still low, still slow, John. I wonder if maybe they're betting in brakes. Uh, possibly. Yeah, that's not a bad call here. Honesty. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, just to remind you that this session and, and this will become important possibly very quickly this session is not competitive this is not even classed as a free practice session it's just called session three yes we've got qualifying on sunday we'll have that live for you live free and unblocked in sound and vision uh, here in the states and further afield but this is effectively a test session and the raw before the 24. now I'm sure the drivers have been told that several times. Not sure how many of them have managed to keep that in their brains when the helmet have got on. Uh, she has just said it by ears, I would wager none of them at all. Uh, it, this is absolutely outstanding. We had a couple of moments yesterday where she and I both had major intakes of breath and that must have been as to nothing compared to those who were involved with the cars and the teams concerned. We are now getting some real pace out of the number six Porsche and Nick Tandy, which has been struggling out on the circuit. Hardly turned any laps yesterday, completed any laps yesterday with this wheel bearing issue. These cars all very new. Yes, they've done lots of testing. Yes, they've been learning about all their new systems. The two BMWs in close concert by the way just behind Nick Tandy and they've been driven by Conor De Filippi in the 25 and Augusto Farfas back with BMW in the 24 and they are running 25 and 24 as they sit 
on the timing screen, just going through speedway turns one and two right now. But my goodness me, what sights and sounds we had yesterday, and we'll be having the evening practice tonight. We go on to half past eight this evening. Let's head back to Sheer Adam with uh, a young man who we first saw and first met in Australia, driving for Benny Clemenko in the Bathurst 12 hours. He's done rather well and carved out a career for himself since then, Chip. Yeah, not too shabby for Austin Sindrick. It's been a long time since that uh, Mercedes with the purple accents on it and a little bit of kangaroo at one point during the race. But Austin, we're a long way from Bathurst. Now we're on familiar territory for you. Your pit box is not too far from start finish. And when I look out at this grass, I just think about you celebrating a Daytona 500 win last year. Is that what you think of? Yeah, certainly a lot of special memories coming back to Daytona. Um, I mean, you can still go in the museum now and go see my race car. Uh, so that'll still be relevant for about a month. Uh, obviously, we start the season here in a couple months. But uh, yeah, really exciting time to, to be in the IMSA paddock with, with everything going on with, with the, the, the extra cars and um, obviously a ton of people here just for the Roar weekend. So always really exciting. Still uh, on a pursuit of a Rolex watch. Uh, still definitely a passion project of mine every off season. And uh, I think we've got a great lineup. Last year you were here in a Mercedes, a GTD Pro car. Now you're in an LMP2 with Rick Ware Racing. This is a very different platform for you to be in. How does it feel to be in a car with so much downforce? Uh, well, I mean, even even before the downforce, the car's a lot smaller, and uh, I'm not a very small guy, and I can I can promise you they designed that car around some very small French people, and uh, I'm not French and not small, uh, but uh, I made it work. Uh, it's uh, but otherwise it's good. It's it's great to to be able to kind of refine my driving. It's been since 2018 since I drove an LMP2 car, so remembering things like carbon brakes, you know, cold tires are a lot trickier. Um, and, and obviously the setup uh, of, of the cars is, is a bit more complicated with as, with as much aero. So uh, it's it's uh, it's like riding a bike, just getting back in it yesterday and making sure my brake traces look right and everything. So, but with 60 cars, it's a really really tough to get a clean lap. So just trying to get in and kind of go through a lot of system checks. This team is comprised of two of the LMP2 drivers who won the race last year, Eric Lux and Devlin De Francesco. How much have they been able to help the progression of Rick Ware Racing getting up to speed with the Orica when in the past they've driven other manufacturers? Well, I, th I think it's important, you know, to be able to get Devlin and Eric involved because I think, you know, obviously that they they take up the silver and bronze uh, roles in, in our lineup with, with Pietro and I being the golds. But I, I think their experience is very valuable as well as, you know, I think with Eric, you look at him, he, his experience, this is his 13th Rolex 24. Um, so I think I think our, our two classified amateur drivers are, are really our aces in our pockets. So I, I'm excited to be a part of this lineup with those guys. And it's it's Pietro's first time at the Rolex, but not his first time in an LMP2 car. So like I said, I, I think we've really saw a lineup across the board. And um, but I think there's about six or seven LMP2 lineups that are that are really good. I would agree with that. Uh, now, when you come back to this paddock, there's a lot of familiar faces and a lot of people who are really happy to have you back. Do you feel like you're welcomed in IMSA? It's it's awesome because it's 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 such a coming together of a lot of different forms of motorsports, whether if it's uh, IndyCar paddock or IMSA paddock or even some NASCAR guys. But being able to see people that I really only get to see once a year that have you know either played a role at some stage in my career, or, uh, people that I still keep in touch with, but. Uh, and it's funny to see who's wearing different shirts, you know? Some people you don't see for three or four years. So 
you know, great, great to see old faces, old friends again, and, um, and, and race against drivers I haven't raced against in a while. Austin, we're really happy to have you back, and I know a lot of people consider you the sports car guy in the NASCAR paddock. We're going to be proud of you when you're the first NASCAR champion that we can call the sports car guy. Well, hopefully, hopefully I can be the first one to win the, the Rolex and, and the 500. I don't know how many have done it, but uh, I certainly tell you I'd like to. Yeah, let's keep your car in the museum, huh? Sounds great. Austin Sindrick, Rick Ware racing driver this weekend. She had him down in the pit lane with the tall fella. Okay then, uh, collective wisdom required. Because I'm, I'm uh, rather short of hands, feet, and screens here. Hands, feet, and screens. Uh, Rolex winners and 500 winners. I've got one for you right now. Shit, Adam. Well, already. Well, there's one <laughs> very obvious one, Shit. Yeah, that would be Mr. Jeff Gordon. Uh, yeah. 2017 Rolex winner, I want to say, and multi-time Daytona 500 winner. But I think what Austin meant was doing it doing in the same year. Yes, yeah. Which would be pretty darn awesome. Yeah. Especially to back up the Daytona 500 win, to go back-to-back -back years. I think Denny Hamlin was the last person to do that. If he, if he was to win his class here... Yes. Actually, LMP2 to win uh, yeah, not, yep. not out of the bounds possibility nope. he would have won the 500 and the 24 within a calendar within year. a calendar year yes that's fair yeah Ooh. I'll, yeah. I'll give him that one yeah reigning daytona 500 winner and reigning yes. lmp2 class at, winner at least for a yeah. few weeks yes it could still be the overall it could still be the overall I'm telling yes you. but let's not get ahead of ourselves no. yet let's right. stay you know if if it should happen, then we can allow ourselves to be excited about that. But in the meantime, and I think all of the LMP2 drivers are staying fairly level-headed about the, the reality of that being a possibility. A couple of cars that we haven't seen, Cher. GTP. Okay. The Conning Minolta Acura, number 10. Okay. And the number seven Porsche this time around. Seven Porsche is in the pit lane. I can ah. see that right now. I've just, sorry, I started at uh, pit out end and I've been steadily making my way down towards pit in. So I am getting toward the GTP cars. Uh, the seven is in the pit lane. There are mechanics oh, yeah. around it. it and it is plugged in. Let um, me have a look. We've just had the 52 wins livery. Number PR1 Matheson LMP2 car back in. That's Nico Lapierre behind the wheel. Um, Nico has not won this race, which is kind of surprising considering that he's won them all four times. He's won the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring. Uh, he's been, what, LMP2 champ in the WEC four times, maybe five? Um, so very accomplished driver, but it's good to see him behind the wheel of a P2 car. There are subtle differences in the liveries of the seven and the six. The six, as I described it yesterday, is the Salzburg livery. So white with red and white stripes down the side and white pinstripes over the roof. And white windshield banner. White windshield banner. Black the for the seven. The seven, all the bits that I said were white are black. Yes, uh, yes. So it's black pinstripes, black down the side, and black windscreen banner as well. As in comes the liquid molly livery BMW. That is the Ooh. turn of the 96 car, right in behind the Wins LMP2, which is getting some significant work. And Shea Adams is standing by that BMW number 96. Sticker tires, the third set of sticker tires for the uh, Turner Motorsport BMW as set 96.2 comes off and 96.3 goes on. Their pit exit is completely blocked though because of the aforementioned PR1 
Matheson Motorsports uh, LMP2 car with its engine cover up, but they're not going to send out. Uh, was that Patrick Gallagher who brought it in, John? Uh, uh, I think it was, yeah. I'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, it looks like we've got a problem down at turn one. Oh, yes, yep, it yellow is. Yellow flag. Yellow flag down there and a big spin for TDS Racing and the number 11. And Stephen Thomas, I'm going to guess. Not sure, but it's been such a violent spin that the windscreen wiper is off the screen, although it is actually waving in a kind of, hello, I'm fine. <laughs> um, it was straight, oh no, big lockup, it wasn't. Oh, really? Now, was there a tap before then because the wiper, I think that car might have done a full 360 because the wiper was already off the screen for that car and the TDS racing machine. Now, was that an outlap? for that car. No, it wasn't. It was Stephen Thomas behind the wheel, though. Huh. He's going to... I think he's going to... Has he managed... Well, he's managed to go fast enough to get the wiper to push back on to the windscreen. Good effort. Yeah. It uh, was funny, though. It was sort of waving around whilst it... You know, it was wiping thin air. Uh, sort of pointing straight up. Sorry, Shay, I, inter I interrupted you there about where you were down there with Turner and uh, with the Wins prototype. In uh, fact, you've had a couple of other cars come to join you now. That's all right. I've actually weaned my way through them, which is a good thing because it's uh, easier said than done. And thanks to the Turner mechanics who helped make sure that I wasn't going to trip over any air hoses that were up in the air. Um, but I've made it down to the 7 Penske Porsche. They do have the car plugged in. They are bringing, oh no, those new tires are for the sister car, the number six. So mechanics standing around it, there is clearly some kind of computer work going on, but there's no actual mechanical work, if you see what I mean. They have blankets tucked into the air inlet, though, on the side of the car to stop any sort of debris or detritus from getting in there, so that's interesting. And I've just noticed something, John. Um, who did we just speak to in an interview a couple moments ago? Um... Live or pre-recorded? Well, live, live, live. Uh, Austin Sindrick. Austin Sindrick, yes. His dad, Tim Sindrick, is on the box for the number seven Penske prototype. Right. So that's where the genius is. We're going to have to remember that throughout the race week. Um, but I mentioned tires coming off of the Turner BMW, and I just wanted to add on to that. Eight sets are allocated for GTD, both Pro and GTD Normal, and LMP3 for the Roar only. Now, there's an allocation for GTP and for uh, LMP2 that extends to the race and qualifying, but... The roar, or the whole event as it is, so including the practice sessions during the WeatherTech uh, week, which we are not in now, we're still in test sessions, those are different numbers. So 36 sets over the course of the weekend for LMP2, but 23 are allowed to be used during qualifying and the race, so break it up how you will, but those 13 sets can be used either during the roar or during practice next week. And for GTP, it's a little bit more refined. You've got two different compounds of tires that are allowed. 12 of the SLT versions, of which nine are allowed to be used in qualifying or the race, and 21 of the SHT, the slightly harder ones, those are 12 that are allowed to be used during the race. So we've got fewer tires available for all of the cars and all of the classes over the course of the Rolex itself, but how you choose to use that in the roar is a little bit more open for the yeah. top two categories of prototype. As away goes Felipe Nasser and... No sound. No sound, still no sound. Right. Still no sound. That was full electric for a long way down the pit lane. Uh, that tire 
That man's entertainer being brought down significantly from this time last year, Shea, is deliberate by IMSA and by Michelin. They have been working on new tyres. Uh, Michelin working just as hard as any of the manufacturers, 25 BMW, by the way, with the uh, front end of that car off. The nose has been taken away, and they're doing, it uh, looks like they're doing a setup, a damper change or a spring change at the front of that car, but they're getting into uh, something in there that is not going to be the work of a moment. No, absolutely deliberate, deliberate by IMSA and Michelin. And bear in mind, Michelin have had to work to build these tyres in a very short space of time, as the cars have only existed for a very <laughs> short uh, space of time. The first yes. full IMSA test, in fact, Porsche weren't at, and that was at Road Atlanta, Michelin Road Atlanta, straight after Patina Mon in October last year. And that's you know just three months ago, and, and they've had to finalise their construction and uh, their compounds to make sure everything is working for that. And as you say, unusually, two compounds here uh, for Daytona, no tyre warmers, and that will be a couple of slow outlaps. Yes. And also, John, we should give full credit to the tire manufacturers, Michelin in particular, and their efforts, their drive, their desire to be more green. They're trying to make tires that will last longer, yes, but that will also be more recycled rubber and as far as components go towards making the tires. So Michelin doing their part to try and be more eco-friendly and to try and be a little bit more green as racing can tend to be viewed by some people on the outside as not a very green initiative when really you think about all the developments that come from racing. So once you're on the inside, you realize how good it actually is. But for the critics on the outside, well, they can say, hey, we're doing more to make sure that our tires last longer, go further and do less negative toward the earth. Oh, I couldn't talk about that. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, and different compounds of uh, uh, rubber. I, I use rubber in inverted commas because it isn't. Um, Michelin are very clever with compounds to make tyres. Uh, Jeff Gordon, um, you were spot on with for the 24 and the 500. Um, the closest he won them was 12 years apart. Oh, my. There is only one other driver who's won them both, and thanks to Tim Gray up in London for this. Uh, I know, I know. Go on. Jamie McMurray? No. Well, Jamie McMurray won both. Uh, not Maybe not overall then. No, he won it overall in 2015, maybe, with Kyle Larson. Who oh, yes, he did. Um, so I was Jamie, in the bus for that. And he won the Daytona 500, I want to say 2004. We'll have that checked. Yeah. However, the other one is another big name. Eight, eight years apart for AJ Foyt. Oh, of course. We'll check Jamie McMurray, but nobody that we have found, and when I say we, I'm using the royal we and <laughs> Tim Greer, um, we need Rob in on this, because he would have, or Neil Woody. Uh, Jamie McMurray, 2010 and 2015. So he's the one who's won it closest together. Okay. Um, nobody we can see has won it in the same calendar year or has won it in the same January and February. Elio so, has won the Rolex and the Indy 500 in the same No, well, that's year. not what we're talking about. It's not what we're talking about. 
Austin Sindrick can step up here and do something <laughs> no one's ever done before in a calendar year. We've launched the challenge for you, Austin. Go make us proud, as he so often are, has. Are we going to count a class win? Yes. Of course. All right. If you win the watch, you oh, win a watch. You win a watch. Yeah. All right. There, there's no... In, and Don't mention winning a watch. Alan McNish might be listening. <laughs> and Sorry, Alan. He won his class the last year before the class winners got watches. And it, he's never forgotten that. Never. Tim says no for counting a class win. It has to be an overall. Uh, that's a little too pedantic for me. Sorry, Tim. I, I accept class wins. It's a good job Tim is sitting on the other side of the desk uh, <laughs> over in London, because otherwise he would be talking to you. He's going to fade He's, me down very softly. He says no. He, well, he can't do that. That's the one thing. He doesn't quite have that control. That's only for me. He said that would be like counting stage wins in the 500. I don't no. think that's the same team. You still win your class. You're still beating a slew of other cars in which you're competing. It, it's not no, exactly. a partial win. It is a victor at the end of 24 hours. Uh, at IMSA Radio, if Austin Sindrick wins LMP2, should we count that uh, as a watch win and a win that puts him alongside Jeff Gordon, AJ Foyt, and Jamie McMurray? Uh, can't count a class win. Can you count a catch class win? At IMSA Radio, your thoughts, please. Uh, JG Wentworth car out on the circuit at the moment in its fantastic green and white livery uh, with a bit of grey in there as well. Take a bow, Andy Blackmore. It is not the same on both sides. It's an asymmetric livery and it looks absolutely stunning on the Acura Evo. The NSX Evo uh, sitting in eighth position in class in a very, very deep field for the GT Daytona. But remember, coming off a Petit Le Mans GTD victory, and it was the first GTD car across the line, beat all the GTD pros as well with a bit of tricky strategy. Uh, they managed to, the GTDs managed to get a lap ahead of the GTDs brought and, and they never got that back. The two of the members of that crew, Sheena Monk and Catherine Legg, down at the LPGA Tour event in Orlando on, when was that, Thursday, uh, doing some promotion for the Golf Channel, some cross-promotion to the coverage this weekend and next weekend on NBC here in the States for the next weekend's coverage uh, awful lot of coverage from NBC over the weekend as you might imagine and a stellar lineup for those of you who are in the US for those of you outside the US including Canada by the way you'll be getting the international feed uh, no interruptions uh, with our international IMSA radio play-by-play -play. and as well as adding Jeremy to the mix with Shea Adam and me John Hindorf it will be Bruce Jones and Johnny Palmer in the booth with Peter Mackay rejoining us this year as well and Nick Damon and Joe Bradley will be pounding the beat down in Pit Lane now, Shea, Adam, um, you talk about uh, the 
Coningham and Alter number 10, if you wouldn't mind, because I'm watching some Porsche on uh, Cadillac action. And through goes the Porsche. These GTPs are big cars, really big cars. You don't realise that until you see them next to other prototypes. What's going on with that number 10 Coningham and Alter Acura? Um, well, how do I put this nicely? Oh, just one second, Chip. We have a spin on the infield, some damage to the left rear of the Orlando Corp.com number 13. Oh, no, that's the fastest P3 that's car right now. That's the fastest of the P3 cars right now. Oh, right across the grass, missed the kink completely and has ended up on one of the cutouts for that uh, number 13 machine from AWA. It's on the hard standing now, and Lars Kern, who is a Nürburgring specialist, does all the record runs for Porsche, and a very tidy racing driver as well. But he's got it going again, and he'll have to do part of the infield again. Little bit of damage to the cheese wedge area behind the wheel. Actually, no, he's, he's come back out and he's, he's on the high banks. So he's going to get that round. He may come in next time around. Sorry, Shea. Why no Coningham and Alter Acura? Uh, because it is up on the high stands back in the garage with, um, well, to say a beehive worth of people working on it would not be inaccurate. I do not see this car. How much time is left in the session, first off, John? Because it was an hour and a half to begin with, yes? Uh, just under an hour still. Yeah. Mm, it'll be close. I think they'll push to try and get this car out because that's what... Uh, Wayne Taylor's men and women always do. They never give up hope of getting out on track. The livery on this car, by the way, spectacular. The best one I've seen on the 10 for a very, very long time. Um, but they are hard at work. There are torches uh, the, in the engine bay. The nose is off. There's fans. This car had what appears to be every intent of going out on the racetrack and just not being able to quite get ready in time. So they must have found something wrong with the car. But I have to say, first time seeing this hybrid system up on the garage they've got a cone a green cone on the windshield of the car to let everybody know that the vehicle has been safely discharged and it's okay for everyone to be around it as they've just tried firing up the engine for the first time and didn't sound terribly happy it sounds a bit dry to be honest uh, now they've got it up and running and there's some white smoke coming out of the exhaust pipes but nothing to the point where anyone would be nervous so this is a good sign for them but john we are not seeing our three times in four years race winners out on track anytime soon Might I suggest that that doesn't sound as it should. I mean, I'm not an expert on the uh, <laughs> the new on the new Acura V6 2.6 engine. Is that I just because the body that. works off and I'm, I'm hearing more than I would normally? Uh, the body works off and I am standing in the garage, so it does sound different than it normally does. There's not any sort of hop or skip in the engine, so there's not a misfire. It is running more and more smoothly the longer it is on, but definitely it does sound slightly askew, I would say. Well, we'll uh, leave Shea Adam in the pit lane area and another spin out on the circuit. This is coming out of the international hairpin to drivers right. And this is the red, white and black number 38 LMP3 performance tech motorsport and that was in the hands of John D'Angelis I think took that car out yes he did third quickest in that category as it stands just a little bit of uh, 
excess use of the throttle pedal had him uh, pointing towards the infield he's got that pointing back in the right direction I'll quickly run down some times as we've had just on half an hour it's Acura again at the top of the shop the number 60 Tom Blomqvist behind the wheel now by just about a tenth of a second from the Porsche 963 number 6 of Nick Tandy He's still out there. The 0-1 Cadillac, Chip Ganassi run machine, Sebastian Bordier in third. He's another four-tenths back. People to Rani also sits at four-tenths back. Six-tenths back, Alex Lynn, another Cadillac, the 0-2. So that's uh, Chip Ganassi, Action Express, the wheel and engineering car, then the 0-2. Uh, and then it's BMW number 25, Porsche number 7 and BMW number eight at 1.5 seconds away from the leader uh, rear tyre has gone down on the number 55 that's the LMP2 that Fred Pordad is driving now did that happen oh yes it did just coming onto the run off the, the high banking I think Fred must have felt something because he was staying down low but uh, he's going to have to tour back in that Proton competition machine that he shares with Francesco Pizzi, James Allen and Jean-Marie Bruni. And the right front Michelin pouring the air there as he takes the shortcut back to the infield. He's not going to risk that with a rear tyre. And that means there is some debris on the track. Debris on the track as the red flag comes out. Uh, and that will... Uh, that will be for that debris yeah red flag just below me to my left on the start to stand Shea, up update us uh, whilst we've got a little bit of quiet here and I found a safe place to hide which is behind the uh, 27 heart of racing Aston Martin while all these cars come back into their pit boxes because it was already here another car that was already here is the number 14 Lexus and John I was going to tell you when the car goes back out keep an eye on it and how were the times before the red flag came out for the 14 Lexus respectable yeah, let me have a look. Okay. The GTD Pros have have not been up to speed against the GTDs. They're mixed huh. in with them. Okay. But then again, we've had you know we've had good drivers in the GTDs, and the the spec is the same. The Lexus is third. The Pro Lexus is yes. is third in GTD Pro and. Okay if you will, fifth in GTD. The reason I was drawing your attention toward that car in particular is that I recognized a very familiar helmet, brought the car in, and is still sitting in it, waiting to take the car back out. Not a familiar helmet to GT racing, though, and that would belong to one Mr. Mike Conway, world champion, the mall winner, all-in prototypes, IndyCar race winner. He's won the Long Beach Grand Prix. He's won the Toronto Indy. But very accomplished driver coming to Daytona has yet to win the watch and is going for it for the first time in a GT car. So when Mike does get out of the car, I do want to have a chat with him about what it's like to be passed by people instead of just being the passer. Um, and also another interesting thing, the 0-2 Cadillac was in for some suspension changes and was taking up about half the box of the 0-1. So I'm not sure how both of them are <laughs> going to fit into their Cadillac racing pit boxes. That's uh, fifth position for the 0-2. Fred Podad's car is out of harm's way, but it's the debris from the right rear tyre and some of the bodywork on his Proton uh, prototype, which is one of the Oregon LMP2 07s. Shea Adam down the pit lane, John Hindhoff in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Uh, 107 
0.9 around the circuit. The Chetilar Ferrari in uh, is purplish blue uh, and green comes into its pit stall, which is the one just after the break in the middle of the pit lane, whereas Paul Miller Racing are the one just before, so they have had to be pushed back because the CrowdStrike 04 prototype uh, made it impossible for them to get in. We will have split pit stops during the race, so um, the EG under caution, yes, uh, a green flag would be different, but under caution when everyone is coming in, the eagle-eyed members of those of you who are here at the track will notice that we haven't got a whole slow, slew of GT cars than a whole slew of prototypes because they will be split. And so that's why there's mixing. So typically there'll be a couple of GT cars, then maybe a prototype, then a GT car, then a couple of prototypes, and they'll be spread out down the pit lane so that there is a little room for uh, manoeuvre, literally, as uh, the cars come in. Uh, 52 minutes still to go. The clock runs. I did GTP. Here's LMP2. Uh, it is the number 52 uh, Orica that leads out. Nico uh, Lapierre brought that car into the pit lane when the, uh, he uh, answered the red flag. PR1 Matheson then from TDS and Mikkel Jensen in second. About two and a half tenths between those two. AF Corsa, Julian Canal in there. LMP2 number 88. Five tenths back, seven tenths back. Aero Motorsport, Ryan DL's been out in the blue 18. Devin Di Francesco for Rick Wetter Racing is next up in the number 51. Uh, Matt McMurray for CrowdStrike Racing, the 04. He's just brought that car in to the pit lane and he is in sixth position in LMP2. We'll quickly do P3s. Last Kern for AWA uh, leads it out in the number 13. Uh, John Andretti for Andretti Autosport, the 36, the black and white car. Then we've got Performance Tech, MRS GT, AWA and Riley making up the top six. And they're all separated by under half a second. And finally, the GT classes. And Shea will pick up with an interview off the back of this. It's Ollie Milroy, complete with his new helmet design for Inception Racing. And the uh, number 70 McLaren 720S. GT3, who leads all of the GTs, including uh, ahead of the number 64, GTD Pro, the TGM TF Sports, Tom Furrier running the Aston Martin for Ted Giovannis Motorsport, then Heart of Racing and Ross Gunn is the second of the GTD Pros, then Parker Thompson, the uh, new Vassar Sullivan Lexus driver, he's fourth of the GTDs. Fifth is Mike Conway for Vassar Sullivan in the Pro Car, and Cooper McNeil sixth for WeatherTech Racing's number 79. Indy welcome back to Daytona. You are a very enviable man because you have a perfect record racing in IMSA. One start, one win, one podium. That all came here at Daytona back in 2021. Does it feel a bit surreal to be back at this place? Yes, it feels uh, it feels great to be back, and uh, I think we have to repeat it to, to keep up that score, of course. This is such a special track, but knowing that you're a part of Windward Racing in particular, once again, a team that you race with a lot in Michelin Pilot Challenge, that's got to make it mean even more. Yeah, of course. Uh, Windward Racing is sort of family for me. Uh, racing already, I think, for the fifth year with them. Uh, did a Pilot Challenge, did a lot of racing there. One time uh, we did Rolex 24, won it. Uh, so it's great to be back and also great to be back for the Endurance Championship. So uh, looking forward to that. 
you've been doing a lot of GT4 racing this last year. How different is it to come back to the GT3? Uh, I mean, in, in Europe, I did a little bit more GT3 racing. Um, last year, I did only GT4 racing. Uh, so it's getting a little bit back into the rhythm, but uh, I'm feeling good. And um, yesterday was a good day, and today I can repeat it again, get back into the rhythm for next week. Normal listeners to IMSA Radio will know that your name stems from a love of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We race there this year, but you're, as an endurance driver, I'm assuming you're going to be sitting on the pit box for that one, unless you can somehow convince Russell he needs to put you in the car, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's where my name comes from. You can also see it on my helmet, um, and I would love to go to the, to the Indy 8 Hour. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe the Windward family brings me there. Let's see. Well, let's see how this weekend goes first. Uh, good luck, Indy, and the Rolex 24 making it two for two. Yes, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect record, as Shea says, for Indy Donja. That race that she's talking about is uh, IMSA taking over the Brickyard later in the year. Check the dates on IMSA.com, September from memory. Uh, we'll have WeatherTech there. And the... Uh, no disrespect to the WeatherTech Championship, which is the main championship. I'm actually really excited about Saturday's um, A-Main, if you will. Saturday night, four hours of the Michelin Pilot Challenge, the TCRs and the GS cars, uh, into the darkness. Uh, some lights will be on, but talking to the guys at Indianapolis when I was out there last year for the Porsche Sports Car Together Festival, they don't plan on lighting it all up they're trying some lighting with a view to doing more in the darkness at Indianapolis in the future. And I suspect, in fact, we asked this of uh, John Doonan, president of IMSA at uh, Le Mans last year, this might be a bit of a dry run for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. His answer to that was a very diplomatic, well, you might say that, kind of, but I can't comment right now. <laughs> I'm sure have a visit from President John Doonan during uh, race week. We do have a very nice view here, it is fair to say. We've got going again, as you can hear from the engine noise behind my voice at the moment. We have 47 minutes still to go, so just a little over half of the time still remaining uh, it is really rather pleasant here as the action express wheel and car will have a drive-through for a pit lane speed violation on the way well i'm gonna say the way out but people durani's already back in the pit lane maybe he's serving that penalty now uh, must have been on the way in because he's just left his pit box, Shea tells me in my ear. At IMSA Radio, hello to Dave Olcock, who's uh, listening in from the UK. And yes, Dave, you're right. Jerry Z has been posting some great photographs since he arrived this morning. Blur Fiend here with us as well. 107.9 if you're at the track or you're coming to the track. If you've got plans to be here tomorrow or next week, catch up on all of the live content that we've had so far on imsaradio.com, including Shea's marathon 
chat session with... How many drivers did you speak to, Cher, on, on Thursday? Well, that one's hard because I also sent Tim some audio blurbs that I did. Yeah, so yeah. it was 1.2 gigs worth of audio total. Um, I think it included 41 different uh, audio bits. So let's say if there were 17 interviews, a couple of them were double, uh, probably north of 20. Okay. Easily north of 20, yeah. I listened to it all. I should have ticked them off last night when I was I've, listening to it. I've been taking drivers off of my entry list to I try think. and make sure that I hit every car over the course of the roar. Yeah, well done. Well, the good news for Acura and Cunningham and Alta fans is that number 10 car that Shea was standing next to in the garage not so long ago is back out on the track. And in the hands of Louis Delatraz. Now, Louis Delatraz is a driver who has really caught the eye, Cher Adam, in the last year to 18 months, and he's taken his opportunities very nicely indeed and been rewarded with this accurate drive for Wayne Taylor and Greg Autosports. Yeah, he was by far the strongest driver of LMP2 last year alongside John Ferrano for most of the races, helping John secure the LMP2 championship, but his efforts not going unnoticed. And as he spoke to me during the roar, he was actually one of the interviews that I've managed to get. Uh, he said that he thinks his performance last year was a big factor in him getting the ride with the WTR with Andretti Autosport organization for this season. It's very well earned. He's been bonding well with his teammates, playing video games with them, a uh, different variety from racing, but getting to know Philippe and Ricky, and they've been gelling as a trio really, really well. Driver, of course, second generation uh, driver, and steeped in uh, motorsport, being coming to motor racing tracks since literally he was a babe in arms. Commentated on his dad's racing, so another one of these drivers who makes me feel very old, although there are a couple of third-generation drivers that makes life even worse when I've commentated on three generations of the same family. And number 10 car with... Uh, am I right in seeing... Sheer that it's a little more the blue on that car is a little lighter than we've seen in the past and, a, and it's sort of a a, a satin chrome finish to the front of that car and even more so john the different shades of blue that have been incorporated on the car are all shiny whereas in years past i feel like it's been one shade of blue that's had the shiny quality to it and the other ones have been a little bit more downplayed so it, it does really pop this year and then there's more silver on it too it's a cool livery what it's going to look like in the dark. We'll get a chance to see that tonight. Shea Adam and I will be back for the nighttime practice. Goes on through till 8 o'clock tonight, so we will be in to well past sunset. Although, uh, in fairness, it, it doesn't really get super dark around here because of the excellent lighting around the Daytona International Speedway. For the race, the darkness times. So where are we now? We're on the uh, 21st of January. So tonight, sunset is a little before 6 o'clock. 
and I'm pretty certain that the race weekend from memory, because I looked this up when we were in Dubai. So Saturday night of the race is the 28th. It's a minute before, it's a minute before six officially sunset and sunrise is uh, 14 minutes past seven. So that's 13 hours and 15 minutes. See, that's slightly different from what I saw on another website. It was 13 hours and 16 minutes, which was identical to what uh, it was in Dubai a couple of weekends ago in terms of sunset to sunrise. Either way, two of the longest darkness periods that you'll get in any 24-hour race. I think we said for comparison that uh, Le Mans... Uh, was five hours fewer darkness hours this year. So quite extraordinary. At uh, IMSA Radio, if you want to get in touch with us, let's uh, throw down to Shea in the pit lane. Where are you, Shea? Standing next to the AO Racing pit box because that Porsche is expected in here in just a second. And I do want to chat with Harry Tinkle. I think he's still behind the wheel of that one, John. I'm going to just put that out to the universe. Um, but Gunnar Jeanette is going to be taking over that car. And if you haven't already heard the wonderful story surrounding the AO Racing's livery, well, it's wearing swap shop clothes this yes. weekend because the original 935 was a car that PJ Hyatt, one of the drivers, owns, and Gunnar Jeanette's dad, Kevin, was the crew chief on. So when that car won this race 40 years ago, Gunnar, a wee babe at the time, was sitting on the car. They have a picture of that. Gunnar has replicated that picture. He did it uh, 20 years ago when he was sitting on it at Daytona. It was on a static display. And now he's going to be sitting on his current race car as well for another picture, having had his 40th birthday last Cinco de Mayo. So pretty cool when you know the history of the car. It makes the livery even more special. But right yeah. now we've just had a Triarce back into the pit lane and Iron Danes is about to come back in too. So the 023 Ferrari and the 83 Lamborghini making their ways in, still waiting on the 80 Porsche. It is Chinese New Year as well at the moment, Cheer. So Karen Lee. Um, might be somebody worth having a chat with. Happy New Year, Chinese New Year, for those of you who celebrate that. And hello to Roy Mackay. Any video of the weekend running? Uh, yeah, we'll have that for you. Uh, IMSA.TV and IMSA Radio via the live video tab. We have uh, live, uninterrupted coverage of the qualifying sessions tomorrow afternoon all the details of the sessions that we are covering uh, and those that have video with them for this weekend uh, and that's sunday for that's sunday for the qualifying for the rolex 24 uh, that's on imsaradio.com scroll down to the bottom of the page like to see that. Not sure what year we're going into for Chinese New Year, believe it or not, I'm, I'm a tiger. Uh, and we're going 
Are we actually going into the year of the rabbit year? Yep. Your least favorite Chinese year? Uh, well, just my least favorite animal. Um, but yes, yes, uh, my really good friend. Oh, there was a very near collision between Triarcy and Iron Names as Iron Names was coming in and Triarcy was leaving. Um, yes, my, my very good friend Lane, who does uh, lots of cute little pictures of things, put up pictures of bunnies to celebrate the Chinese New Year uh, the other day. So thanks for that reminder, Lane. I really didn't need to see those <laughs> pictures, but that's fine. AO is finally coming into the box this time around, so I will be able to get a driver interview fresh out of the car in about three minutes' time. It's just going through onto the high banks now. I got some. I tweeted some video on, I think, Thursday night when we were leaving the circuit. Gunner was running the original car, the original 935. That was the uh, the 935. Uh, of course, was the car that I don't think it was the swap shot car, but the 935. It was the uh, the Moby Dick car, and that was the car that Gunner Jeanette made his competition debut in. I would think everything was a bit downhill from there, to be honest. Extraordinary machine. And the 8-0 car looking really good. The 992 body shape now for the first time this year. The It's got the Andial logo on the front of that car as well, of course. The Importer and Tunis. Gunner Racing. And the classic dark purple, bluey purple and red stripes with the Schwab Shop logo on the on the side of that car. A sort of extended rear end on the 992. Just give it a little 935 look. They've been clever with the uh, livery to make it look uh, a little more cut off at the back. The 935 had that reverse cam tail, didn't it, on there. And the huge box arches. And it is going to Jeanette who's getting into that car. The spotty helmets that Gunnar has sported for many years. Harry Tinknell, Seb Prior, the other two drivers. Seb Prior, the uh, proud Guernseyman. There you go, there's another third generation driver. Andy, of course, known to have seen endurance racing, but Seb's grandfather was a very accomplished hill climber, as was Andy actually, before he went into circuit racing Shea still down there at that uh, area PJ Hyatt out of the car PJ getting a debrief from Harry at the moment uh, 35 minutes still to go and some times lighting up the Alcamel timing screen in front of me Felipe Naz has just put in the fastest second sector of anyone. It's still the 60-mile shank racing car. Now in the pits with a 135.3 that's quickest. It's about a tenth or so, a little bit more than that, ahead of now both of the Porsche Penske's. The six from seven, Dan Cameron from Felipe Nazar. Seb Bordier for Cadillac in the pits in the 0-1. Jack Aitken getting some laps for Whelan Engineering. He was having a cracking run last night in the darkness against one of the Porsches. Uh, Harry Tinknell has uh, finished his mentoring duty, so can talk to Shea Adam. 
Yeah, Harry, uh, how's it going? First and foremost, you're back in a Porsche, and the last time I saw you at a race, you were also driving a Porsche. That was Le Mans, though. This is Daytona. Yeah, super happy to be back. Obviously, I you know, love Daytona. I love IMSA. I want to be back here as much as I can be, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's great. I mean, all, all the Porsches are really struggling. I don't know if you guys have talked about it or picked it up too much, but, yeah, I think um, we're kind of in, like, a... A 992 cup car, cup class at the moment at the back, unfortunately. Uh, I would love to say that we've got loads in the pocket to bring out, but it really isn't the case, unfortunately. So hopefully, you know, come race week, we'll be a bit more competitive. I'm sure IMSA are looking at all, you know, they've got all the parameters and all the knowledge to be able to change it. But right now, we're, we're you know, we're, we're making the car better and improving, but it's kind of scary when they come around the, on the banking. You know, I'm used to driving GTM last year and, and the gap between this now is bigger than like GTM versus GT Pro and way. Well, and also you've got experience in the Mazda DPI. Last year you were in an LMP2 car. Now you're in GTD, the bottom. How much more different is this race when you are in the slowest classes compared to the top? Yeah, it's definitely very, very different. You know, um, you're relying on your spotter whatever class you're in. Um, but uh, I think this year it's going to be a lot more intense because I always used to remember in the, in the DPI, you know, I'd come across like 15 cars nose to tail and I'd be like pounding around the outside of them and think, oh, I'm going to be involved in that. And this year I'm going to hopefully be right in the middle of it. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a lot more intense, but I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to this new tie-up with uh, AO Racing and Multimatic. I think there's some great things going to come from this team this year. I'm super impressed for a brand new team, how well they've gelled together. And I'm um, looking forward to what I'm going to be out again up to. So a little, little bit of everything this year. But uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, back in IMSA uh, towards the middle of the year. Just looking at this car, you've had a long association driving with Prios. But this is a full season effort for Seb Prio and PJ Hyatt. You're the endurance driver for this one. Does that make you approach this a little bit different, that it's your little buddy, your little brother, in essence, that you're trying to help get a good stance in the championship? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm super proud of Seb. I'm rooting for him all, all the time. And from when we first started last year at Sebring in the WEC to now, he's grown as a driver so much. Like, I don't think his driving skills on the track have ever been in question. You know, he dominated the Porsche North American Championship. Uh, he's been winning in everything he's been doing. And this is like the, the next, like, logical step in his progression now to lead a team this year. So he's got me for one more race. I'm going to be at Sebring anyway, helping out as much as he can. But yeah. For him and PJ to be able to, you know, gel as a, as a driver crew, for him to be able to coach PJ, for him to be able to lead the stand uh, on setup and strategy and everything like that, it's gonna, it's, it's a huge part for him. It's a big undertaking. He's, only, he's still only a young chap, but he's super quick. And uh, yeah, the the thing that you know, it's it's a little bit of a, a role reversal from when I was first with his dad, you know, in the Ford GT. His dad taught me so much, and it's been a pleasure to reverse that and be the one sort of nurturing young Seb and I'm looking forward to seeing him do a great job this year. Well Seb we can't we can't wait to hear what Seb is going to be doing in the future Harry we can't wait to hear what your announcements are going to be a little bit later on in the season as you uh, teased us with but I've got to ask you said you're going to be at Sebring in more of a mentoring shape aren't we also going to have Andy there in a more mentoring thing so you're going to be doing the same thing as Seb's dad? Yeah I, um, I assume so I think yeah I think so um, which is which is great you know he's got years of experience obviously um, and I'm going to be there in the WC anyway you know as announced on the entry list starting off with, 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 with Proton um, so really looking forward to, to, to you know going again with Christian's team and uh, yeah I'm going to be sort of 
running back and forth between the paddocks, but not quite as uh, tiring as when I did both a couple of years ago, but um, uh, actually driving in both. But yeah, I'm, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of this team. It's been really, really uh, inspiring seeing how quickly Gunnar Jeanette and the guys have, and girls have got everything super, super uh, locked down in such a short amount of time. And, and PJ's doing a fantastic job. Uh, considering he's only started racing a couple of years ago, you know his story's incredible. I love talking to him about where he, how, his background, and uh, and, and together we're, we're making him faster all the time. I'm not going to put you on the spot with this, but a little light bulb just went off in my head. You're back with Proton. I know that Proton is trying to acquire a 963. You've got a lot of prototype experience. That might be a good place for you at some point in the future. Look, we uh, we did a little photo shoot uh, last night, all the Porsche cars, and I was. I was having a look at that 963 up pretty close, and I thought, yeah, that looks like a bit of me, so uh, I hope you're right. I hope you're right, Jay. It'd be pretty cool to have a Prio Tinko combination of one of those two one day. Harry, thank you so much for the chat. Good luck this weekend and next. Awesome. Cheers, Jay. It's fun as always. Thank you. Ah, great to hear Tinks uh, on the radio again. Christian Reed's brought them on. C Christian Reed actually is a driver. He's now the only ever present in the current history of... Uh, the WEC has done every single event and he's the last one to have done that. Big Porsche customer down through the years and he wants to get his hands on a 963 like the two that we have here this weekend with Porsche Team Penske. It's the number six car out on the banking at the moment in the hands of Dan Cameron. It's the one with the white striping. The one with the black is the number seven car. I check the headlight colours as well because there's a very purple look to the six car, whilst I think the seven is certainly lighter, if not just plain white. We'll get to see that tonight in our coverage of the nighttime practice. Past a Ferrari there. Seem to have a door number on it on the left-hand side. That can't be right. So the two Porsches together for a moment on the infield, the seven and six. Philippe Nazar just coming out of the pit lane as Dan Cameron has gone past him down to the western hairpin at the moment with one of the TGM Aston Martins between them. So definite purple headlights. Oh, it's blue headlights for the seven. Thank you. NASCAR Productions up in Charlotte, cutting us some pictures into the booth here at the moment. And I can tell you there's some really lovely new graphics for the international feed. Our world feed kicks in tomorrow. And then, of course, extensive video coverage during race week. If you go on to imsradio.com and scroll to the bottom, not only will all of our live sessions be there and the start times is linked to your browser time so if you've got your browser time in the time zone set to the time zone that you are which most people do of course then it will automatically convert our session times to your own time zone and if there's a little old-fashioned television on a stand symbol next to it guess what that means there's world feed video to go along with it Tim Gray behind all these little uh, tweaks in fact that tv symbol was suggested by one of you out there uh, at imza radio if you'd 
like to get to me. Hello to Eric Liu. Says, uh, happy Chinese New Year to all the sports car friends from Shanghai, China. And, uh, Roy McKay picking up, uh, Roy McKay picking up, uh, McKay, sorry, picking up the, on the news of that uh, scheduling as well. All coming in at IMSA Radio. Uh, looking forward to doing the uh, Carrera Cup. Asia again this year. Porsche Carrera Cup Asia. I've done for the last couple of years. Provided the play-by-play, -play, live play-by-play -play commentary for the international TV feed of that. And uh, looking forward to working with those guys from China TV again this year. So Eric, keep your eyes and ears open for that. Oh, spin down in turn seven. Now was that a little touch? In traffic there, under braking. Now, that was, I think, the AWL still behind the pylon and still sitting there. It's the black and white. That is one of the LMP3 cars, isn't it? Outlap, we think, for the 43 for Sebastian Alvarez. So did he lock up the back wheels or did he get a little bit of help? He gets to do the infield section again for a little bit more practice on that. Well, MRS GT racing. Not racing a GT, we associate them with Porsche. MRS GT. Maya Shank Racing back in the garage at the moment. Still fastest uh, by some 0 0.130 of the second. They are doing some checks back in the garage. Just uh, under 23 minutes left, thanks to MSR for letting us know. Let's go down to Shea Adam, who has found Ollie Milroy, who is sporting a new helmet design this weekend, Chip. Yeah, he is, Ollie. We'll start with that because Tim Gray was insistent that we find you to talk to you about your new helmet design. What's the story behind changing all that up? Behind changing what, sorry? Your helmet design. Uh, I've gone kind of back to my like original colors. Last year was like a more inception-y red and black, and I've gone back to my brighter fluorescent colors. It's quite hard sometimes when you see photos of the car and see it on TV and stuff. It's always hard to identify in GT racing who's in the car, so I wanted to go back to my sort of bright blue star, the bright orange and stuff, yeah. That, that's cool. It will hopefully bring good vibes for you. Um, now, the week didn't get off to a great start, though. You were a bit delayed getting to the airport, I understand. Yeah, I mean, anyone that's been to the UK will know the M25, uh, that horrible road around London. I got stuck on it for four hours and missed my flight. Um, Luckily, there was another one to Tampa, and, and I got here safely, and yeah, it could be worse. It's a first world problem, for sure. No, wait, I thought you were a stunt driver as a hobby. I thought you were a stunt driver as a hobby. Surely you could have just gone off the highway and done some magic. Yeah, yeah, I get in a lot of trouble for that, though. Have you? <laughs> yeah. I've been allowed to do that on closed roads, so yeah. 
back for another season with Inception, and this time it looks like a full season effort, but you're the endurance driver. How difficult does that make it on weekends when you're fighting for someone else's championship? Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, the team are going for the full season. I keep telling them the priority is the Endurance Cup. <laughs> um, I said, well, no, don't worry about the Spirit Rounds, just focus on the Endurance Cup. Um, so yeah, I've still got my own personal goals as well, but, but the great thing about IMSA is these endurance races themselves as a standalone event are such a huge deal. You know, like, if you ask a lot of the drivers in this pit lane, would you rather win the whole season or Daytona 24 hours? Like, it's a difficult decision, you know? Like, to win Daytona as a one-off race is, is a massive deal. So that's the exciting thing about the endurance rounds is they're, is they're so much fun as, as individual events. Well, and even more so, would you rather win Daytona and Sebring and nothing else? I mean, we've got so many classic races that people from Europe in particular like to come over and have the shot at, right? Yeah, yeah. And then even like, if you look at, I, I, I've, because of circumstances and clashing events, I've missed Petit the last two years. So this has been my first year at Petit. And everyone keeps telling me, like, if you love Watkins Glen, you're going to love Petit because it's, uh, it's such a great event. So, um, and both years I've done a load of prep work for that event in case I was there. So like, I kind of feel like it's uh, long overdue and I'm looking, already looking forward to Petit. Yeah, John just got all squeaky in my ear and went, how has he not done Petit? It really is one of the best events that you could ever hope to do. It's one of those tracks too, that no matter how many times you do it on the sim, the first time you drive it in real life, it takes your breath away. Yeah, yeah, everyone says that, the undulation and stuff and, um, I've even spoken to some guys that are racing at Daytona the first time and can't believe the feeling on the banking. You don't get any of that on the sim or video. Um, so, and yeah, everyone says to me that Petit is, an, is a massive roller coaster. And uh, so I'm really excited just to drive the track. And the race itself is, is such a buzz. So, yeah. Yeah, I got, you know, uh, as I say, it's going to be, I'll, I'll still come along to the sprint rounds and I'll coach Brendan and, and help Frederick and, as much as I can to maximize their performance. but. But, uh, and then as a driver myself, I've still got some really fun events to look forward to. Well, and, and even beyond that, to this race a year ago, it was a really strong showing from Inception Racing. The fastest time in GTD, the fifth fastest time in GTD in terms of personal driver's effort. I think you were like 11th on that list. The car was phenomenal and it was a fifth place finish at the end of the race. How, what have you changed to improve to make sure that it's four places better this year? Wow, your knowledge always blows me away. I didn't even know any of that. <laughs> I do a lot of homework, Ollie. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was a hard one to take. I remember Jordan, myself, and Frederick sat at five guys outside after the race, like, so miserable because, you know, I did a lot of driving through the night. I got into the RV at about 9 o'clock in the morning. I took my Apple Watch off my wrist, and I was like, there's absolutely no way we can't, like, not win this race. Like, the car felt incredible. Um, the team were doing an amazing job, but, but I mean, we've all been in motor racing long enough to know it's not over until, especially in IMSA, it's not over until the very end. And we had a brake caliper fail with three hours to go, it cost us two laps and that was it. We never, and then it was a clean race. There was no, no more uh, full course yellows, I don't think. Um, uh, yeah, so we feel like we've got unfinished business here, but you can't think like that too much with Daytona. You have to take every single lap right from now through to the end of the race as it comes because there's so many things that can be thrown at you. So we've just got to get our heads down, do our jobs and get the car. Our whole goal is to get the car to 22 hours into the race without a scratch on it and then fight from there. That's the fun thing about IMSA is like, you're all still fighting for the lead on the last lap, you know? Well, 
maybe leave the Apple Watch on until you're walking to the podium this year. That might be a better uh, beckoning. And also, you guys did win the Endurance Cup last year as a team. It seems from the outside like this is a great time to be a professional sports car driver. But is it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. The whole landscape of, of sports car racing now, you know, it's going through a massive transition in America and in Europe with GTP um, and and GTD, which uh, effectively Pro-Am in America, it's so competitive now. You know, when you say to people, oh, my amateur driver, my amateur teammate, Brendan, you know, they think amateur, like he's just done a couple of track days and turned up, but the level is so high. You know, these guys, I mean, we were laughing last night because actually yesterday, Brendan had the fastest lap out of all four of us. And we're like, guys, we're gonna have to start paying him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so, you know, these guys are at such a high level now that um, it's super competitive. And that's, that's why I said, especially with a race like this and a track like this and 61 cars this week, you, you just, you can't get carried away thinking about the end result. You just got to focus on your, your job as a team and just take each lap as it comes. One final question. What do you guys hope to get out of this weekend, the roar? Um, just a solid qualifying. Um, yeah, just a solid qualifying, a good starting position. I know that ultimately your starting position for the 24 doesn't really matter to the race result, but the further back on the grid you are, the more high risk it is of something happening early in the race. You know, the safest place to start a 24-hour race is at the front. Um, so, so yeah, we really want to focus on having a solid qualifying on uh, tomorrow um, to put us in a, in, a, in a safe and sensible starting position for the race. That's Ollie Milroy, the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren. Thank you for the chat, my friend. Great to catch up with you. Thank you, you too. Oh, really good stuff there. Good questions from Shea Adam and very honest and um, informative answers from Ollie Milroy, who was born in the year of the rabbit. Top Chinese year, year this year. Chinese New Year at the moment, should I say. Uh, at Nimsa Radio, if you'd like to get in touch with us, good to have your company. Uh, and don't forget, over on our sister site, radiolamons.com, we had a special midweek motorsport on Wednesday, jointly presented from here in the UK, here and the UK. Uh, Shea Adam with a massive catch-up on all the news coming into this weekend. John De Geese, founder and editor of Sportscar 365, dropping in, and Nick Damon as well. Really worth a listen, that, to catch you up with what is going on. Uh, series 18, episode two. And by the way, Series 18, episode one, had Parker Johnson on it as our big interview, telling us in his first interview as a Lexus driver um, about how he ended up at Lexus and the trials and tribulations of what should have been uh, a pretty happy Christmas and New Year period and uh, what hoops were jumped through by him. I recommend both of those actually. Some really good stuff in there from our contributors and guests on Midweek Motorsport. You'll find the archive at RadioLeMond.com. Right, what have we got? 14 minutes still to go, and a new best time in LMP3. Dakota Dickinson uh, has just gone to the top for Andretti Autosport in the number 36 this year. 
with a 142.653. That's half a second. Uh, yeah, half a second quicker than the AWA Duquesne, which was holding that position until recently. That's the number 13 that car. Uh, hello to Rob Jayner. Tuned in, although has been listening to some of the archive. Uh, by the way, if you missed any of the on-track action yesterday, all of those sessions that we covered, and uh, that was both of the WeatherTech and the second of the pilot challenge sessions, as well as everything that we've covered today, already building as an archive at imsaradio.com. Car stopped on the infield is the leisure of Sebastian Alvarez. This is the number 43 car. Not the first time this car's had problems. He was on an outlap when he had a spin on the MRS GT racing car a few minutes ago. But he's got the engine fired. He's pointing in the right direction. Now, just starts the exit of the infield onto the banking. And he's up and running again. See if there's any more times as Dakota Dickerson comes into the pits after setting that fast lap. Still the early time of a 135-363 that was set by Tom Blomqvist, or excuse me, set by Myshank Racing. The two Acuras now, one and two, with uh, 0 0.130 between the number 60 from Myershank and the Conning of Anolt, uh, number 10 car. Then the two Porsches, 0 0.005 and 0 0.103 further back, and that is six and seven. Then Cadillac racing the 0 1 car, another tenth of a second further back. Then Whelan, the 31 car, Jack Aitken out in that. By the way, Scott Dixon out in the 0 1 at the moment. The answer to every IndyCar quiz question. Uh, 0 0.095 back. And who's behind Jack? Richard Westbrook for Cadillac Racing. The quick word with Rich yesterday. Now, Rich has never come out of an off-season not looking absolutely raring to go and like a, an Olympic athlete. However, he is ripped. I don't know what he's been doing for his workout regime, but my goodness me, he is ready to go. And in that number zero or two, kind seventh, the Yellowly is driving the 25 BMW Team RLL, BMW M Hybrid V8, and Colton Herter behind the wheel of the 24 in ninth position. And those top nine cars separated by just on a second. The top eight by six tenths. LMP2, PR on Matheson Motorsports 52 is in the lead of that by a couple of tenths from TDS and a couple of more tenths back will take you to third place at AF Corsa. We mentioned Andretti Autosport being uh, half a second or so ahead of AWA and LMP3. It's the 36 and the 13. The 38 performance tech motorsport car is another couple of tenths back in third. In GTD, it's now two GTT cars ahead of the pros. Uh, Inception Racing with the fastest time for their McLaren 
Marvin Kerkhofer behind the wheel of the number 70 at the moment. Mikhail Grenier for Team Court of Motorsports. Number 32, Mercedes, is half a second uh, further back in second. And the best of the GT Pros is effectively the third GTD car, if that makes any sense. Uh, Matt Plum out in the TF Sport TGM Aston Martin Vantage. And he's got uh, 0 0.025 of an advantage over the Hartner Racing Team in a similar car. David Pittard driving that one. Then it's Frankie Montecalvo for Vassa Sullivan in the GTD version of the Lexus. Or crude uh, Lexus, should I say, because the cars are identical. Uh, his teammate Ben Barnicut is next up in, uh, what will that be, sixth position in GTD, third in GTD Pro. That's how it stands with just on nine minutes still to go. This is live coverage of session three of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship from the Raw before the 24, live from Trackside at Daytona International Speedway on IMSA Radio. 107.9 around the circuit, RS2 around the world. Now, Shea Adam has just walked all the way down to all the way down. a car that was struggling. Which car did, which did you head to, Shea? I was at Pit Out. I was uh, all the way down near Iron Links, and then right. you said that uh, the Conic Minolta Acura was sitting in its pit box yes. once again. I am two pit boxes away from that car, and Philippe Albuquerque has just taken it back out onto the circuit. Oh, dear. Never fails. That was That would be a full 59 pit box difference because you have to factor in the timing and the gaps in the wall. That, that was rude, Philippe. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, really tentative on the pit lane exit. It's pretty tight. And the pit lane speed limiter has to be engaged all the way through till you almost come out from behind the wall. It's about maybe 20, 30 metres. So you join on just as through the turn three area and into the international horseshoe drivers telling me that in the heat of the race and the cold of the night perhaps the first couple of laps for the gt p cars will be something close to 20 seconds off the pace that's even with two unusually two compounds of michelin tires available here there is a warm weather compound and a slightly less, less warm weather compound of the slick Michelin tyres. And Shea, um, am I right in thinking, the way I read this, that you get an allowance of each of the compounds. You can't just say, we want all softs or all hards. Correct. Yeah. Uh, 9 and 12 are the two variations of the compounds. The SHT coming available for 9. At, no, for 12, and the SLT available for nine compounds. And that is for practice and qualifying, and then there's a different allotment that can be used in oh. qualifying and the race. So it does get even more complicated, but of course, whatever tire you qualify on is the tire that you start the race on. So you kind of don't really get a choice in qualifying, it's just carried over. The only exception for that rule is for bronze-rated drivers in GTD, not GTD Pro, but just GTD. If you choose to qualify a bronze driver in GTD, you then may take a new set of Michelin tires, not from your allotment, for the start of the race. Ah, okay. Uh, we got a spinner. 
and it's an outlap and it's Sebastian Alvarez again in the 43 car finding the limit this time it's a different corner and Joe Bradley once said to me when I started racing you're allowed to spin at each corner once and that's how you find the limit and then you back off a bit from there that's the the uh, Villeneuve way um, I was never one to try and take that up He's facing the wrong direction with the cars coming into the back straight chicane, the Le Mans chicane. So he's going to have to pick his moment with help from the marshals, which he has just done rather splendidly. Pointing back in the right direction again in that uh, number 43 MRS GT racing black and white prototype. Red wing end plates, red number panels. That tells you that that is a GT3 car. He pulled down on somebody there. I'm not sure Sebastian has uh, quite recovered from that spin. He uh, maybe just needing a little more time in this car. Big flash of the headlights by the Lexus as they come through the dry awful. Under five minutes to go. The Lexus down into the first corner has uh, negotiated that MRS GT. MRS GT prototype. Shea Adam, Lexus. I was talking about Parker Thompson. He's going to be doing the Endurance Cup. We've got one GTD and one GTD Pro again for the RCF GT3 from Vassa Sullivan. New car coming for those uh, guys uh, for, for Lexus in GT3 in a year or so. Yeah, we hope. We hope to see that new car. Um, they hope too. But I had the great fortune to sit next to Aaron Tielitz for the hour and a half flight down from Atlanta to Daytona International Speedway last week. And Aaron had posted a picture from the cockpit of his Lexus on Instagram. Just a screenshot uh, kind of a thing. It was a story. So, of course, I took a picture of that picture because the top leftmost button on their steering wheel said passing. And I thought, huh. They don't have that special DRS ability to get more horsepower or the ability to perhaps lose some downforce when they want to make a pass. What the heck is that button for? Aaron laughed and he said, oh, we had to, uh, let's think of how to put this nicely. We had to make our flashing button a little bit more special for Ben Barnicut because Ben likes to push the headlight flasher button. The engineers at Lexus made it so that that flashes five times in rapid fire so that Ben would not just keep pressing the button over and over again <laughs> to flash the headlights towards everyone else. They told him that they labeled the button passing because that's what Ben does every time he wants to pass somebody is flash the headlights. And I love that story. So Ben Barnick is like me waiting for a lift. So just pushing the, the button elevator. over and over and over the and over. The faster you push the button to call the elevator to call the lift that that is that absolutely correlates with how quick the lift arrives at your floor exactly and it's the same thing with trying to cross the street i mean if you push that crosswalk button over and over Correct. again it's going to go quicker so ben barnicott's like that on the headlamp flash the more times and the quicker he passes it the easier people will pull out of his way yes okay isn't that great programmed flash the, uh, in, in fact, in WEC, actually, they had to in the, in the, introduce and at Le Mans, they had to introduce a rule that you were only allowed, I think it was three or four flashes each time, because when the new super bright headlights came out and the prototype drivers were on the flash button, same sort of thing, the poor GT drivers couldn't decide which side of the road the traffic was coming from, where they were on the track, or if it was 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or whether they were punch board, I counted sunk, to be honest. It's yeah. just great. Yeah, very good. I like that story. Well done, shit. Shit, Adam down in the pit lane. We're coming down in the last couple of minutes, and then there's a short break for luncheon. And then we'll be back with our afternoon sessions. IMSAradio.com for our coverage this afternoon into this evening, tomorrow. And then we'll start to build the schedule for next week as well. All there at the bottom of the page. At IMSA Radio if you'd like to get in touch. I think, Shea, this has been a pretty productive session for pretty much everybody. I think we have seen 61 cars, actually, in this yeah. session now. We were missing MRS GT at the beginning of the session, and yeah. we were missing MDK Motorsports. We've seen both of those cars as well, and I'm just waiting for the scroll to get down to 61. Yes, we have had times from all of them. Excellent. Yeah. Noticed what uh, Harry Tinkle was saying about GTD. The new GT3 R992s are sitting in 19th down to 24th position in that category at the moment. And is there anybody higher than that in a portion? No, there is not. Um, now, don't forget, we can have BOP changes between now and the race next week. So I'm not suggesting anybody is playing games here, but IMSA will be looking at the data, oh. let me say that. Uh, we've got a car, oh no, that's all right. I was just about to say, we had a, a car stopped on the circuit, which I was trying to identify whilst I was talking. It was the NT Sport Lamborghini Huracan, but it's got going again, oh. and we've under a minute to go, Shay. I, I would actually argue exactly the opposite, John. I think everyone is playing games, but because we know that everyone is playing games, when people have issues, they become even more apparent. I do not think that this Porsche issue is a game that they are playing, though. I think that this issue that they are dealing with, that they were dealing with yesterday in the first practice session as well, is very much an issue that they're trying to wrap their heads around. But I would put it to the point in saying everyone is playing a game. Whether their game is to show everything that they have or not, it's still a game. It's a bit like Survivor. Okay. So, thank you to Shea as the clock runs down. Congratulations to Maya Shank Racing, who have just gone out of the pit lane. And shit, that's an Acura and the 60 Acura, in fact, that is this top every single session so far. Three of three. Hat off to Mike Shank and to uh, Jim Mayer, because they put together a crew that finished the race last year on the top of the charts, and they have yet to give up that position again. It's, uh, it did have the car back in the garage for a little while, but it's just gone out and done a lap and just, in fact, got the checkered flag for Tom Blomqvist. So it might be worth seeing if we can find out what that uh, problem was. I am halfway down the pit lane. I would never get there. We'll uh, try and do that during the break yep. before we see these cars. Or maybe in the uh, later session today. Acura's first and second, actually, with the Konica Minolta car in second, the number 10. Then the two Porsches, six from seven for the 963s. Then Cadillac 01, Cadillac 31, Cadillac 02. All within a tenth or so of each other. And by the way, we are still only... Uh, let me see, 135.3... 
136.5 down to Colton Herter in the BMW. So we're barely a second, just over a second on the field of GTPs there. And in fact, six tenths for the top eight of nine GTPs. In LMP2, quick run down there. PR1 Matheson, Alex Quinn will bring that car to the chequered flag from TDS EF Corsa High Class and Era. And they're separated by six tenths, those that I've just mentioned. Andretti Autosport nicked the quick time in LMP3 with a 36 car, and Dakota Dickinson will bring that car back to the pit lane in a moment or two. They were ahead of AWA and Performance Tech and Sean Creech Motorsport, and despite the rotations, MRS GT in fifth position ahead of Gar Robinson for Riley. And in GTD, Inception McLaren from caught off Mercedes, the two GTD cars separated by half a second, and fractions ahead, 0.018 ahead of the best of the pro cars, which was the TGM TF Sport Aston Martin ahead of Heart of Racing Aston Martin. That is the morning session, despite the fact that it's just before at one o'clock in the afternoon here. Check IMSA Radio for details. Uh, stay on RS2 and also on 107.9. We'll have some more IMSA content for you before we come back for the afternoon into the evening. We're at the Raw before the Rolex 24 2023. And it's all live here on IMSA Radio. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.